0: It's time to get inside the Giants Huddle, huddle, up, huddle, up, huddle up. on Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. In the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. My name is John Schmelk, Today's guest, senior editor of Big Blue Interactive, Eric Kennedy. Before we get to Eric, I want to remind everybody, you can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on Giants.com the Giants mobile app, and, of course, all your favorite podcast platforms. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star positive review if you like what you hear. Now let's bring in our guest, Eric Kennedy. He's the senior editor over at Big Blue Interactive. Eric, first of all, hope you and your family, everybody in your world, are
1: safe and healthy. Yeah, we're doing great. Thank you very much.
0: Excellent. Uh, Before we get going, why don't you tell folks uh, where they can find your work and check out everything on BBI.
1: Yeah, yeah, as you mentioned, it's uh, interactive dot com is the website. We've been in business since uh, nineteen ninety five. Um, it's a um, basically a place where Giants fans can get news and information on the team, and we have a uh, the most popular section is a fan forum. So it's sort of like almost like a cyber bar where people talk about the Giants all day long. So it's it's it gets quite lively over there. But that's the site in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> Absolutely lively, I think is is a good way to put it. What do you think, Eric, has been in your opinion the biggest story has been in topic for you guys over at BBI this offseason?
1: No, I, I think it's what a lot of people are talking about. It's the COVID issue, obviously, and how the how the teams are going to be handling this. Um, I, it's it's interesting. It's it's an awkward time, I think, to be a fan because I think I can you can almost sense the nervousness of, of with fans about is this season really even going to happen. So I, I almost don't sense the buildup yet because I think there there are some fans out there that don't expect it to happen, and there are others who are crossing their fingers. So I think it's. When we get into the full practices that are I think around around the seventeenth or the eighteenth of this month, and we start seeing more videos from giants dot com of the players actually practicing in lieu of the preseason, I think the mm-hmm. expectations will 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 build up. but from a from a fan point of view, I mean obviously the covid thing is has has um, dominated the discussions. There are football uh, issues too, but that that's been the number one, I think.
0: yeah, look, I could tell you I was at the facility this morning and there are Guys wearing football jerseys running around. It was great to see. Um, it's something we haven't seen in a long time with, obviously, you know, no spring workouts or anything like that going on uh, this particular offseason. So we're getting there, and we should have our first OTA-style practice the week of August 10th or 11th, give or take. And then we'll get padded practices starting on the 17th, Eric. So when it comes to the football stuff, what do you think the biggest conversation piece has been uh, from fans heading into 2020?
1: Well, I think there's a mixture of things. I think, you know, fans are very excited to see how Daniel Jones's evolution um um continues. I think fans are are, you know, aside from the fumbling issue that he had last year, I think fans are very excited about his future and you combine that with Saquon Barkley and I think there is an expectation that if if the Giants can finally get a offensive line that is Somewhat functioning in front of these players, that they can actually be pretty decent on offense. Um, The other on the other side of the ball, the the major concern has been, you know, where's the pass rush going to come from? Of course, with Marcus Golden coming back this week, and I think there have been a a few. There there are other players on the edge rushers that are being. Um, not talked about enough. I think Fakrell, for instance, was an interesting signing that could pay dividends for them. Um, but I think, you know, the discussion has about, been about the pass rush. And then um, the, the other concern, obviously, is the status of DeAndre Baker. Um, and is, is he going to be back with the team and and if or is he on his way out and I know you can't comment on that no one really knows for sure anyways but that that's been a concern because I think a lot of fans thought all right we're okay on the defensive line it looks like we've built up a lot of talent in the secondary but then the then the the DeAndre Baker thing comes out and then so that throws a a fly in the ointment there and and people are wondering what you know who's going to play that position right now
0: what do you think how do you think that's going to go in the secondary, put the safeties aside for a second, you know, or you know this, you know, you need three cornerbacks now that are, that are capable starters if not more to, you know, give yourself some type of backstop due to injury. And other than James Bradbury, I mean, this thing is as wide open at cornerback as I've ever seen it. What's your take on how this is going to go down and and who do you think the favorite of the clubhouse is? And, and what do you think the overall consensus is for both those spots, the second outside spot and, and the nickel?
1: I don't think there is a consensus with opposite of Bradbury. I, I think that's the, that's the big question mark. I mean, Bradbury's actually obviously barring injury or something unforeseen. He's obviously going to man one of the starting spots. And as, as, you just said, you're really talking, when you're talking starters, your, your third corner is really a starter in the league now. So I think the expectation among fans is when they drafted Darnay Holmes, he's going to eventually end up being the nickel guy. But now he may actually be pressed into the outside spot unless Corey Ballantyne or Sam Beal um, impress in camp. The, the, the real issue here, and you know this, is without the preseason hmm. and with only a limited number of practices this year, they don't have a lot of time to sort this thing out. I, I actually really like this team, the way it's being built right now. I think, I think in a normal year, um, fans would be very excited at least to see what's going on but the thing that worries me and and joe judge has really got a lot on his plate is how do you get this team together in without the preseason and with with so few, few practices so somebody like Corey ballantyne or sam beal right from the start are going to have to show something i think to lock down that other spot the, the best thing obviously would be if DeAndre comes back and, and you have the first round talent added to that mix, and he 's got his head clear um, but as i I mentioned the other day on the site, the big worry with him too is even, even if he does come back. He was sort of away from the team during the virtual learning sessions during the, during the off season. so you wonder how much he, it, it's going to take for him to be caught up to speed with the playbook and the terminology, um, interacting with the coaching staff. If he was in the picture, it's a, different, it's a much different conversation. So when that came out, I was like, oh, man, that's the last thing we need. But, um, again, I think they're okay with, with, with Bradbury. Um, and Corey Ballantyne, and this seems to be consensus on the website, is I think, you know, a lot of people saw him last year, and he was always getting exposed in coverage, but they had him playing a lot inside, yep. and I don't think that really was his natural position. I think he's more of an, an outside corner, so I think, you know, he flashed some things in the preseason um, because of some of the issues they were having last year in the secondary. They were forced to move him inside, and I, I don't really think that suited his game, so it wouldn't shock me. If you know he's a guy that fans think can't play, but if if they put him in the right position, he, that wouldn't surprise me if he actually he ends up being a decent player for them. So yeah, we to answer your did... question, I don't think there's a consensus who's going to play opposite Bradbury. I mean that that's one of the the big unknowns of camp. I think.
0: Yeah, and with no preseason games, I would just tell folks, stay tuned to, you know, BBI obviously will have, you know, kind of tracking what all the beat reporters are saying and Giants.com with a video from practice because that's what coaches are going to go on here. And it would be easy to say that, all right, we got a veteran quarterback here that's done it well for a long time. Maybe he's a little bit older, but at least you can trust him. There's just so little tape on all these guys that are competing for yeah. those spots that, boy, it is just going to be, you know, may the best man win. And I think it's really going to be an open competition. How excited do you think fans, Eric, are for Xavier McKinney and exactly how the Giants might decide to use him?
1: Well, I think they're very excited. I I think when you look at what they've assembled at the safety spot right now, they've got a lot of different guys there that can do different things. And I hate to sound like Joe Judge here, but they're multiple. They (laughs) They can play in different positions. So Xavier is a guy that even played some cornerback in college um, no, they're not going to play him, play them at the pro level, but you could even see him maybe even be in a nickel spot at, at times, depending on what packages they are in. But Xavier can move all over the place. He's a good blitzer. Even He's not a big guy, but when you look at his highlights in college, he, he, he's a very good player when moving forward and attacking the line of scrimmage and attacking the quarterback. And Jabril Peppers, I still don't think we've seen his ceiling yet. I, you know, he's one of those guys where I think, um, coaches look at him and they and i think james betcher last year wanted to use him differently than he did i i i i really think that they wanted to use him as more of a blitzer at times and so when you have him and julian love and xavier mckinney i i think you're going to see packages especially with the question marks at corner that i wouldn't be surprised if you see those three guys on the field a lot um, and again, again, if you hear, if you listen, to any of the Giants' coaches this off season, from Patrick Graham to Joe Judge, they keep talking about being multiple and changing based on the opponent and and doing different things and not being you know, pegged into doing one thing. So I think we're going to see different game plans, different formations. For each opponent, and that's kind of interesting and exciting to watch. So McKinney definitely fits into that because he can do so many different things, and because Javril Peppers can do so many different things, I think they can keep um, offensive coordinators guessing a little bit if they play it right.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And I think, you know, if you want to pick out a guy that has a legitimate chance to have a you know, quote-unquote breakout season, I think it's Jabril Peppers. I think it's going to be tough for maybe some of the second-year guys with a new system, new coaches, no off-season. But for a guy like Peppers entering his fourth year, he's done this a long time. Uh, they have guys that can cover and do other stuff in the secondary to let him kind of do what he does best. I'm with you. I think, you know, if he can take advantage of the situation he's put in, he has a chance to have – a bit of a breakout year. How excited were the fans to know for sure that they were going to have Marcus golden back And and how do you see them trying to split the reps now between two younger guys in Carter and Zimenez and the two veterans in Fackerel and golden.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, fans were, didn't never expected to get Marcus golden back at that price. And I think they, they didn't expect him to be back uh, after free agency was a week or so. in. I, I think most people, including myself thought, well, he's, he's gone. Uh, and the, the odd thing was you didn't hear him being mentioned with other teams and visits and so forth. You know, he, he's a productive player. And in a league that's dying for players, I mean, he's not, he's not, he's never going to be the guy, that one pass rusher that everybody fears and everyone game plans for. But he is certainly one of those guys that is very productive as a secondary guy. And, you know, he was the best, Giants' best pass rusher last year. And teams, teams, craved guys that can rush a passer. So I was a little bit surprised he was out there. And then when they put that May 5th tender on him, which now in hindsight looks like a brilliant move to have him back, it at least gives them insurance with if Facrill Zimenez and Carter are, are gonna develop. Um and now Fakrell is interesting because under Patrick Graham, when Patrick was coaching the linebackers in Green Bay, he had his best season and if you look at his statistics last year rushing the passer in Green Bay, he he didn't have the sack numbers, but he had the pass rush numbers. He yeah, had the 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 pass pressures. pressure yep. numbers. Mm-hmm. So Um, And again, I'm not saying he's going to be an all. The the Giants, I think all fans knows the the one thing this defense really lacks right now, and they're going to have to address at some point in the future is the that pass rusher that scares people. They don't have that right now, so they're going to have to use a committee approach. They're going to have to scheme it a little bit, but I think they've got some interesting guys that they can, and Joe Judge talked about this today um, during his presser, that they, they, they have some interesting guys with skill sets that they can mix and match depending on the opponent that they're facing. So I'm not quite as down on the pass rush as people are. I think they can, I, I think we definitely need that, that guy still, but if, you know, I think the one, the key guy to be honest with you here is Lorenzo Carter. He's the one guy that everybody keeps expecting big things from, and I think this is a really big year for him. I think yeah. if he develops into a guy that can get seven, eight, nine sacks, and you combine that with Fackrell and Golden, and Zemina has actually looked decent. Last year, rushing the passers in spots. I think his run defense is what it needs improving. But I think they've got some guys that they can roll out there and at least keep people honest um, and get some pressure on the on the quarterback. So, so the, to answer your question, fans are are thrilled that he's back. Because I, I think it, it is it's an area that everyone recognizes we need we need to have pass rushers.
0: Yeah, and look, I think you hit it. Based on the pass rush and the conversation we had on the secondary, what's going to determine this season? Eric And we're joined by Eric Kennedy again, senior editor over at BBI, Big Blue Interactive, is how will the Giants stop the pass? Because if you go back to last year, whenever the Giants need to get off the field on a third down or, you know, get a lead late and they're trying to stop their team from coming back and regrabbing the lead or, you know, getting a team out of their four-minute offense, they can get the ball back and score. Uh, they were not able to get a stop, and the question is whether or not with this group of players, and a lot of them are young, are they going to be able to get those stops when they need them at the end of these games when games are decided? And usually at those at those times, it's done with the pass.
1: Yeah, and, and there have been a lot of games over the last number of years outside of 2016 where that's that's been the case, where you know Eli got the lead and they just couldn't hold it or they needed a key stop at some point in the game and they just couldn't get the ball back and and you hit the nail on the head it's it's i think the one thing that drives a lot of Giants fans that are a little bit older um grew up with this team even in the years that it wasn't the the Giants weren't having a great year they always had a respectable defense and again outside of 2016 for the last since the last super bowl this the defense has struggled, and it's it's gotten to the point where you know fans expect the worst to happen, and that's a bad and that's a bad thing. You can almost sense it in the in the stands when you know all oh, you know oh geez here here we go we're going to give up this game. That's what they need to get back to is stopping the other team when when the game's on the line. Either get the ball back, force a turnover, or when they've got the lead. Basically shut the other team down, and as you just said, the the pass rush and the, and the coverage and the pass defense that that's key, and that's that's what's really been their Achilles' heel. And it's not just been the cornerbacks and the safeties, but it's been the linebackers and coverage because how many times have we seen the tight end run over the middle and and get the key first <laughs> down or get the get the touchdown? Even the game last year when we were playing the Eagles, when the Eagles had all so many injuries, uh, here comes Boston and Scott. Senior, <laughs> yeah, and they had one tight end left, and they didn't cover the guy. I mean, that's the kind of thing, and everyone knew it. Everyone knew that that's where the ball was going, and 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 then you had two giants looking at each other in the end zone, going, "Wasn't he your guy?" I mean, that's what that's the frustration level. But I think they've got the players, that, or they're getting there. They're get the, they're getting some of these players that can do that those types of things. Um, obviously, the DeAndre Baker thing hurts, um, but they're they're starting to get when they get people like a Xavier McKinney, and Julian Love is showing some flashes. And they're, now they've got. If you look at the depth chart right now, I'm just looking at how many linebackers are on this team right now. They've got a lot of young linebackers, and if one or two or three of these guys can 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 do something, I think they, they they're building the, the right thing. And I really what I really think the strength of the defense is. Honestly, is the defensive line. I think they've got a lot of guys up front that are big, young, strong guys that I think offensive lines are going to have have trouble with. And I think we've just they're just scratching the surface. I'm very excited about Dexter Lawrence. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson really showed some signs of life last year. Um, the Leonard Williams, I know he gets a lot of grief from the fans, but he is a good football player. He he, he is a guy that that can contribute. Into a, to a solid, strong defense up front, and then you, of course you got B.J. Hill. So you, I think you've got guys on the defensive line that that can cause problems, they can disrupt. So now if we can just get those edge rushers and then the coverage, I think they have the ability to to, to at least play some decent defense. What's going to be interesting to see Patrick Graham, how he how he handles this, because I think if, if the other question here is. You were asking what, what our fans talking about. One of the things that they're talking about is, is Patrick Graham, and because he had such a limited track record in Miami. Um, Giants are familiar with him because he, he was here before, obviously, on the coaching staff, and he had a good reputation up in New England. But I think Giants fans are a little bit nervous because of the, because of the Miami Dolphins connection.
0: Yeah, and look, I don't think anyone knows what these schemes going to look like either. I mean, we just haven't seen it yet. I'll, I'll know a little bit more in a week, but right now, yes. I mean, just I mean, it's it's funny, like you joke, but you guys have seen as much as I have, and that, and I'm going to ask you about the offense in a second, but I'll, I'll try to you know carry off your point. You're right about the defensive line, by the way. I was going to ask you about that, and I don't have to, but. Like you guys have seen pretty much as much of Joe Judge as I have. I mean, you guys have seen the same press conferences and Zoom calls that I have. You've seen the same stuff on Giants Life that I have. I haven't. I haven't been within five feet of Joe Judge since like the day he did his opening press conference. Pretty much.
1: <laughs> so I think well, we're all kind like, of,
0: and, and all of us are kind of figuring this out as we go along.
1: Well, you know what I like that he did it. I don't. I don't see really getting a lot of attention. Is And I know it's a minor thing, but when the Giants came to camp or started camp, they started off with the 90-man roster limit and they decided to change it to the 80-man roster limit. And there was debate on the site which was better, 90 or the 80. But Joe Judge is a very young coach who's never been a head coach at any level. He's got a really interesting coaching staff. I, I think it's, his coaching staff is fascinating. The number of former head coaches that are there, there are college coaches, pro coaches, some guys that uh, one guy that came out of retirement. I think it's really interesting staff. But he he's a very young coach, and you could you could make the argument that somebody in his position that once he made a decision, he he wouldn't want to change his mind because publicly people might might look at it and say, well, he's already second guessing himself. But when I but he, when he one something caused him and it might have been the Nate solder issue then when so- Nate solder decided to opt out and then they had to when they moved from from um when they were going to keep the 90 man roster the rookies would have had to stay in a split squad and now with the 80 man roster the rookies can actually work with the veterans he he changed and decided to go with the 80 and I think that's pretty telling that he's not afraid to make corrections and he's not a make he's not afraid to make changes, even if the optics might look a little bad to the press. So I actually think that was pretty uh, a pretty remarkable move and a pretty telling move that here's a guy who's flexible enough to say, hey, I've changed my mind and I want to do it differently. So I actually applaud him for doing that.
0: Yeah, I've been very confident in, in what I've seen, Eric. He seems to be, you know, someone that, you know, doesn't just throw out like one-liners and phrases. He believes what he says. He has a reason for everything that he does, and he just seems to be a, be a pretty cerebral guy, which is which is good to see. Now, offensively, I've had to fight off calls for seven months on on Big Blue Kickoff from fans <laughs> complaining about this skill position group. And I understand the point. They do not have that number one option that DeAndre Hopkins, that Julio Jones. I get that, and I'm, obviously you prefer to have one of those guys than not. No argument, seated. But the idea that this team and Daniel Jones does not have enough weapons with a young receiver that's getting better in Slayton, two guys that we know can separate and get open in in Tate and Shepard. Shepard's injury history, fair point, can't argue with it. Evan Ingram's You know, injury history, fair point, can't argue with it. But in terms of a matchup tight end, one of the best in the league as a receiver. And then you have Saquon Barkley who can basically be a receiver if you want him to in addition to being, you know, probably the most elusive running back in the league. So I don't get why there's so much concern over the skill positions on offense. Now, next year, if, you know, we'll see what happens. You're going to have to draft somebody maybe. But at least for this year, if these guys are healthy, I think that's a pretty good group.
1: Yeah, I th- I'm 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 with you on this, and I don't actually see a lot of um, disagreement with that. At least on on my site. Well, that's you know, good. I'm happy to hear that. You're always you're always going to have somebody complain about something. I mean, that that's just that's just normal, and everybody wants the perfect roster. I think the the big concern is what you mentioned is, is as long as everybody stays healthy, and that's the key because last year, as we know, with Daniel Jones, he never had this group on the field together. As a group, all year long, they were never. None of these players, all these players, weren't together for one game last year. And then there's the issue. You see Evan Ingram in one game, and you're, and you say, "Wow, that guy is a, a superstar waiting to happen." And then he disappears the next game, and then he's then and then he's on injured reserve. Sterling Shepard, I love watching this guy play, but I think we're all still waiting for that big monster 1,000-yard season out of him that he just can't seem to crack. And now the That's concern fair. is with, with, with a concussion. So as long as everyone stays healthy, I still think, and now you're going to get lots of uh, young fans that, are, that I think recognize this, but I still think we as a group, because we've, we got, we've just been beaten down with the losing um, the last few years, I still think we we underappreciate how good Saquon Barkley is. I had a discussion with somebody the other day, and they were still arguing whether we should have drafted Saquon Barkley in the draft. And, I, you know, you could make that argument. The one argument you could make is should the Giants have traded down, given where they were in the rebuilding process, should they have traded down and, and accumulated more draft picks to rebuild the team? That's a fair argument. But, I look at that draft and i say he's the best player to come out of that draft and he is he does things i i'm, I'm fifty two he does things i've never seen a player do on the football field um, used to, in the old days there was this this um, George Young was once interviewed about Lawrence Taylor, and he said if you didn't know uh, anything about football, you would automatically your eyes would gravitate towards Lawrence Taylor because he he was the best player on the field, and you could tell even if you didn't know anything about football. Same thing with, with, with Saquon Barkley. If, when, when you watch him play, he, he's running at a different speed than anybody else. So I think any offense that has Saquon Barkley in it, as long as you have a decent offensive line, is going to be dangerous. But then, as you said, I, Darius Slayton had an amazing year last year. Golden Tate is still playing well. Sterling Shepard is a guy that can give people issues out of the slot and over the middle, and, and he still makes some some really amazing catches in the red zone and so forth. So I think as long as these guys, and, then, and you mentioned Evan Ingram, so now you've got Daniel Jones maybe throwing a lot to Saquon Barkley out of the backfield because I think Jason Garrett's going to really use Saquon in, in the passing game. And I think they've got, I think this offense can cause a lot of problems for teams, um, especially that don't have teams that don't have good linebackers in coverage, I think that this is this is going to be an issue for a lot of teams defending this. Um, it just gets back to the team health. Sterling Shepard, can you stay healthy? Evan Ingram, can you stay healthy? Can everybody um, play together on the field? And that they can, I think. I think this is an interesting team. And then you got a few other guys. I'm still curious to see like. Corey Coleman, you know, he got his season season um, ended last year because of, because of the knee issue. Um, but he was supposedly showing some, some good things early in camp, too. So I'm actually curious to see how even a guy like him, if this coaching staff can get something out of him.
0: You know, Eric, I thought we were done talking about the offensive line finally. I, I really <laughs> did. I, I thought we were. <laughs> Now look, it was still a matter of Nate Solder having a bounce back year, and you know Dave Gettleman talked about that. Nate talked about that. Everyone knew that he, you know, that he expected himself to play better this year, and that that's fine. But removing him from the equation is a different situation because now, while you figured Andrew Thomas was going to earn one of the two starting spots, now he, you know, really needs to be good enough to be good at one of those starting spots. And then you have Cam Fleming, who's never been a full-time starter. He started a bunch of games, but never been a full-time starter. And then you have Matt Parrott, who a lot of people thought, you know, give him a red shirt year with the no off season, maybe a year and a half red shirt. Who knows? Right. And now you're going to have to figure this out here and make the best of it. And you don't have somebody with the track record of Solder as a, you know, average to above average level starter in this league that you can kind of count on. And you're, kind of back into the land of the unknown a little bit
1: yeah talk about pressure on andrew thomas here uh full disclosure i was a big fan of the giants drafting him so he was the guy that i i thought was the best lineman coming in the draft so when they drafted him i was thrilled so i look at him and i think he's a a 12-year starter in this league 100 yeah i think he now the question is again no preseason uh very limited number of practices in camp I, I think all Giants fans are expecting growing pains once again here. I, I, if this was a normal year, I actually think the um, uh, Nate Soldier being out long term might actually be better for the for the Giants because it because Andrew Thomas is, is your left tackle of the future. So he's you know barring something unforeseen here, I think everyone thinks he's going to play left tackle this year. So he's going to so instead of maybe possibly starting off at right tackle. His rookie season and then next year switching over, he's going to, he's, he's going to start the experiment right now. Here, let's go. This, he's the guy for better or worse. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to get his reps now. He's going to start working at that position. So I, in a way, I think long term, this may work out better for Andrew Thomas because he's basically getting another year early on, uh, under his belt. The interesting thing is, is, is the other tackle spot because you mentioned Fleming and now that they've uh, uh, extended Nick Gates's contract. And he could obviously, um, today, uh, coach judge shed more light on that. He does He definitely sees him as a candidate at center, but also as a candidate at tackle. So I think Nick Gates is viewed as a potential starter at either one of those spots. Mm -hmm. You've got Fleming there. Um, I really, when you look physically, when you look at at Matt Perk, um, he certainly looks the part. When you see Andrew Thomas, pictures of Andrew Thomas and video of Andrew Thomas and Matt Peart, they look they look like NFL line. They have big long arms. They're big guys. They're athletic. They just look like they look like the players. that we we'll have to see on the football field. But that's the key spot in the center spot right now on the offensive line because I think I think they're going to be all right at guard. I think they um, I think. Andrew Thomas, barring, again, the, the growing pains that you're going to see from your, your typical rookie, I think he's, he's your, your starter at that spot. It's what are they going to do at center and what are they going to do at, at right tackle. But they do have some options, at least at right tackle. Center is more interesting to me because you've got, again, no preseason, no uh, very limited number of practices, and a couple of guys in the mix who are going to be conversion projects. And, that's, that's going to make things interesting. Yeah. Uh, do they just go with Spencer Pulley because he's been there and he, he's played the position, or do they take a chance on the upside and go with the gates um, or go with one of the rookie guards that uh, like that they drafted? Do, do, do they look at him and say, we're, we're just going to roll the dice on somebody? Like the, the Giants did that back in uh, 1984 when they had a uh, lineman by the name of Kevin Belcher um, who was a guard, and they converted him to center as a rookie, and he had a stellar rookie year and unfortunately he had a car car wreck he was in a car wreck in the off season and that ended his career. but they actually did this a number of decades ago with with a guard and, and, had, and Bill Parcells had him start start at center and and it worked great for them as a because he, he ended up actually being a tremendous player for them that year.
0: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I agree. I think that center spot will kind of go down to the wire. I think that other tackle spot, or really both tackle spots, will too. And Nick Gates will be a key here. And I guess wherever he plays best or wherever the next best guy plays, he'll go to that spot. Yeah. But, again, much like those two cornerback spots, it'll be a really interesting thing to watch this offseason. Eric, final thing, what do you think are the expectations this year from from the fans on BBI? You know, what do they think is going to happen? And what, in your mind – and in their mind do you think would be considered a successful season by the fan base given the fact that it's judge's first year no off season young team all that stuff put in the cauldron and and, and kind of what comes out
1: i can't get the fans right now to get excited about the season because of the covid thing i think they're very down on this and i think there's a lot of you know there's a lot of people that wonder if the season's going to happen right now so you've got people that, you know, regardless of where your stance is on 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 all of this, some people are are convinced that there's not going to be a season. Other people think the season's going to be canceled. Other people think it's going to be a mess. While other fans are optimistic. So, so, but you can, you can sense that there are people that are still hedging their bets on this, and that's the problem. So the talk that I see is from a lot of people is that this season's going to be a mess. It's going to be a disaster. Joe Judge. Um, is probably going to get a pass on this um, and should get a pass on this because it's, because nothing's going to be normal. Um, my, my, I think it's going to be interesting in this sense. I, I think um, you're in a division right now where only one coaching staff is returning. you got the Eagles, where, so everybody else in the NFC East has a brand-new coaching staff. And I, I, my sense is that the team that is the best prepared to handle the unusual circumstances that we're in, combined with the team that stays healthy from the COVID issue and injuries, might, might be surprising. If you look at a team like the New England Patriots, for instance, they, I think they're up to eight or nine players who have opted out. That's, that's starting to whittle away at, at, at the core of a team when you start getting that many players losing that many players. The Giants have been fairly fortunate so far in terms of the COVID impact other than Nate Solder. So if the Giants can stay healthy, um, if Joe Judge has the team organized better than his opponents, then I think they can be more competitive in the short term than some fans or many fans expect. I think the overwhelming expectation, however, is this. New coach – um, the COVID issue combined with no preseason, very young Giants team—you know, starting from the quarterback, but all the way throughout the roster—extremely young team. I think most fans are, are thinking it's, it's going to be tough to have a good year here, and I think they think that the, the that they'll define success as just simply seeing progress. Um, now, I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic than that, but I most fans are saying if the Giants are playing better football in. November and December, then they are playing in the early part of the season. They'll say, we're building to something. This, we're making progress and we, we, we can see, we can see, uh, light at the end of the tunnel. The flip side is that if they're playing worse football in, in November and December and get, you know, and I don't think this will happen because I'm a big Daniel Jones fan, um, based on what I've seen so far, but if Daniel Jones regresses, and we have a three and thirteen season, and we're starting to talk about quarterbacks in the draft again. That would be the nightmare scenario. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but there, there are those, the, those kinds of questions still come out. You know, what, what happens if the Giants have a really, really bad year and the quarterback's not playing well? I think that that would be the worst case for Mr. Mara and Mr. Tish if they saw that. I think the the best case scenario, obviously, is if they're in the playoffs, still hunt the playoff hunt's still in November <laughs> somehow. Um, but that's what we'll have to see.
0: Yes, please don't make me take big blue kickoff calls in December with that happening, please. please. Just, no, just no, no, I, mean, I don't want to do that either. I, I,
1: I, <laughs> I can't don't. even imagine if we're in that booth. And yes. I don't think we will be. No, I, again, I'm a big fan. I was, I was a big fan of Eli Manning, but I, I, when I look at, at Daniel Jones's rookie year based on what he had to deal with and the players around him, I haven't seen too many rookie quarterbacks play as well as he did and I, I know the fumbling was an issue, but he made throws and did things that I that I just said, wow I you know, I'm really excited to see him play, combine him with Saquon Barkley, um, maybe Darius Slayton's built upon his, his year and just gotta get that offensive line together. And and I wouldn't be surprised early if they they're a little bit more conservative on offense just so they yeah. let those young offensive linemen get their feet underneath them because you just don't want Daniel Jones getting killed in the first four weeks of the season. You just, you got to protect him a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. And I know I said final question, but you mentioned Daniel Jones. So I guess we should dig into that just a little bit. So final question now, um, with Jones, I think you hit it on the head and, It was such like a mix of greatness and just disaster in his first year. You have all those turnovers, whether it's the fumbles or the interceptions, and then you had a bunch of dropped interceptions. But then you had there's a guy in his face. He's throwing on the pressure. He's hanging in the pocket. He's completing a pass, taking a big hit. He makes a spectacular throw here, a spectacular throw there. And I think it's really just a matter of him doing a few things, you know, protecting the ball a little bit better. Most importantly, getting the ball out a little bit quicker which will come from, you know, processing a little bit faster, doing a better job of reading those defenses, which 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 comes with experience, comes with time. The way I put it is this, is that you've seen great play inside of him. Now it's his job to, you know, maintain as much as he can some of those great plays. Now if some of them go away, that's okay, but he has to limit the negative and the bad plays and the takeaways because you can make five great plays. If you make three bad turnovers in a game, I don't care how many great plays you make, your team's not going to win. So if he can just fine-tune what I call his risk management in terms of trying to, you know, limit the negative plays where maybe if he completes the pass, the benefit's not great, and... Just understand when's the appropriate time to take certain risks, when's the appropriate time is to squeeze a ball in, when it's appropriate to hold the ball a little bit longer. If he can get better at those little things and instinctual things like reading the defense, you know, pocket presence, get rid of the ball quicker, those are the things he needs to get better. I don't see anything in his game that's quote-unquote broken, and you see when the things do work how effective and productive he can be. Now, is there a guarantee those things get 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 fixed this season because of a new system, new coach, no offseason? No, there's not. But I think there are clear things that if he gets better at, and they're all possible to get better at, you see how he can become that next franchise quarterback.
1: Yeah, and, I, and there, there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there. I'll try to keep it brief, but I, I agree with you. I If you look at the determining factors and what wins and loses football games. It's still amazing that the turnover ratio really is, is a key figure. And if you look at the game, the game statistics after each contest and just go through what every, every statistical category, it's so important to win that turnover battle because you only have so many possessions per football game. And if you turn the football over, you're not only losing that possession, you're often the other teams running the other way with it for a touchdown. So that's a huge thing. I, I always it bothers me a little bit when people start arguing. Well, you hear a lot of dropped interceptions. You can make that case with any, with any quarterback in the league. So there are lots of interceptions that get dropped by other people, uh, sure. by other quarterbacks. So I, I hate I hate doing those those because then you can also say, well, if receivers didn't didn't bobble the football and it got picked off, or it didn't drop a football. So I, I never like adding those you know those, those what ifs. But I, I look at him and I see him make throws that when he was coming out of college, we were told he he wasn't good at. One of the things I remember all the scouting reports said on him was he wasn't very accurate throwing the deep ball. And then from the very first preseason game on, he threw a wonderful deep pass um, after deep pass, where, where I said w- he wasn't supposed to be able to do this, and that he made plays. There was the one the one game where it was fourth. I forget it was like fourth and seventeen, and he threw a, that that strike to uh, Tate in the end zone for a touchdown. I think Tate actually got hurt on that. That was play. the
0: bear game. I think, um, the end of the bear, yeah, the bear game. game. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: That throw. I mean, he had guys in his face. I mean, that was almost Phil Sims like. He was he was he knew he was going to get crushed, and he but he knew he had to throw that football. And those are the kinds of plays where I just stood up and said, whoa. I mean, that, that, you don't see a lot of guys that do that. Now, one of the guys who writes my game reviews, um, um, uh, Psy, He's he's completely on board with you on this. He he says if quarterback if you have a quarterback and he harps on this all the time and he likes Daniel Jones too, but he says what's going to determine Daniel Jones's ultimate fate is the turnovers because if you have a quarterback that can't protect the football, he's not long for the he's not long for this league. You just can't do that. So he's a little bit more. Um, reserved right now. He doesn't, because he's still a little bit worried about the turnovers. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm completely discounting them. I just, I'd be a lot more worried if Daniel Jones was throwing inter- interceptions left and right than the fumbling issue. Because a lot no, of the 100, fumbles no, By the way, you're 100% expected.
0: right. The, 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 the fumbles can be fixed.
1: 100%. Well, I know some of those fumbles, again, I don't want to sound like I'm excuse making here either, but some of those fumbles, he got rocked. I mean, there were some plays where he got. Smashed from the blind side, he wasn't holding on the ball too long in, in, in many of the instances. I mean, there was one play where somebody blew right up the two guys blew right up the middle as soon as the ball was snapped, um, and and, he, and you know, he, the ball got slapped right out of his hand, and they called it a fumble. And I, he said he didn't even have a chance on that play. So. Again, if it happens again this year, he has as many fumbles as he did last year, then we're, we have to start getting really worried about this. But I would be – I said this the other day, too. I, I said, if Daniel Jones was on another NFC East team, I'd be awfully worried right now. Because when I look at him, I, I, I see uh, an excellent, excellent quarterback. And if he was in Washington or he was in Philadelphia or in Dallas – I'd be very worried right now because from the eyeball test when I see him play, the things that he's done as a rookie on a team that did not have a running game much of the year because Saquon was hurt, on an offensive line that still couldn't block, and with a receiving core that was never together, and, and he threw 24 touchdown passes and he had a couple of uh, really amazing comebacks. Um, I, I just thought that was a tremendous rookie season for him, and, and I'm, I'm very, very excited. I mean, it, the, the two things I'm really looking forward to this year is watching him develop and then seeing how the coaching staff um, handles his team. I'm really interested in how Joe Judge handles his team and, his, and, the, and the coaching staff that he's put together. He's got a very, very eclectic interesting coaching staff, and I'm and with a lot of experience, and I'm very interested in seeing how that coaching staff performs as well, too.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, and I think there are certainly a lot of reasons to be optimistic with Daniel Jones. And we had David Carr on our Wednesday Big Blue Kickoff Show, which you can find up on on Giants.com, folks. If you didn't check it out, and that'll get posted on the Huddle too. And he basically said, you know, the same type of stuff we're saying—the stuff that Daniel Jones need to get needs to get better at you can get better at that. And oftentimes quarterbacks do get better at it with experience. So the opportunity is there. The talent is there. You know, you mentioned the deep ball. To me, the stuff that jumped out to me, Eric, I watched every single one of Daniel Jones' throws that was more than five, seven yards down the field over the course of the last month and a half. And he's actually really good on like 15 yards throws outside the numbers, where people thought coming out of school, ah, the arm strength, he can't make those throws. He throws with accuracy and anticipation on those deep outs, and he can make those throws, so I'm with you. Um, I don't see anything that physically... That's going to hold him back. It's just a matter of whether or not he can clean up some of the mistakes. And, you know, there's no reason to think he can't. Is there a guarantee it's going to happen? No. But I think there are certainly reasons to hope that the Giants have on their roster their next franchise quarterback for a long time. And I think we and can. And he
1: has the work ethic. That's, yeah, the, that's so key. If you see him in the offseason just from the social media accounts and, and even the, the, the brief clips we've seen from Giants.com at the early in camp. In his work, he's in, looks like he's in tremendous shape. He was working out with the, with the players, um, on his own in the off season. He was, there, there have been articles written on what he's going through to protect, you know, he's got all these drills to have people try to knock the football out of his hand. Even me it, it of the movies where, you know, uh, there, there, was an old movie, The Program. Oh, where yeah. The, the, the player had to walk around and try to have the football knocked out of his hand. So he's, he, he knows <laughs> what, he, he knows what he's, Got to work on. He knows, and he's going to do it. There are a lot of players in this league that don't do that. They, you know, they, they talk a good game, but they they really aren't very hard working in the off season. And he's he's a guy that he's he knows what the problem is, and he's going to he's going to make every effort to try to fix it. Now, does that mean it's going to get fixed? We don't know. But you know, you give me a guy like him with with the work ethic and the intelligence. And what I I thought was kind of funny too was Joe Judge came in, and for for weeks and weeks he wasn't going to mention the name of any player on the Giants roster. Everybody was at an equal, you know, everybody was on equal status, no special treatment. He wouldn't even mention Barkley's name. But the first time he mentioned anybody's name was Daniel Jones, and he just gushed about him. So he went from saying, I'm not going to say anything nice about anybody, to wow, I'm really impressed with this kid. So even even Joe Judge saw something where he said, well, there's, there's something here. So I, I thought that was very telling, too.
0: Uh, Eric, I'm with you, and I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Excellent stuff, my friend. One yeah. more time, tell the folks uh, where they can check out everything on Big Blue Interactive.
1: Yeah, it's uh, bigblueinteractive.com is the URL. And, um, and again, we have a, a big... Giants community over there loves talking football and when they win we all celebrate and when they lose we're, we're all over complaining so <laughs> it's a good place to hang out so
0: Eric Kennedy senior editor of yep. Big Blue Interactive Eric great stuff my friend stay safe I uh, hope you and the family everybody's good and uh, let's talk again down the road man and hopefully we'll both be enjoying a very long football season
1: yes thank you
0: that's Eric Kennedy from Big Blue Interactive BBI. Make sure you go check it out. We thank him for joining us on today's episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast. Once again, I am John Schmelk. You can find the Giants Huddle on all your favorite podcast platforms on the Giants mobile app and at Giants.com slash podcast where you can find all of our podcast offerings, including the Giants Huddle, Big Blue Kickoff Live, our daily call-in show, which is during training camp. It's at 2 p.m. live every day. You can call in, chat with us, and, of course, Giants Rewind with Carl Banks. For Eric, I'm John. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle.